You are listening to the Run Duo Podcast, a program to entertain and to inform. Forerunners by runners. Now here are your hosts, India Cook and Tommy Mitchell. And we are back, and it's episode 26, 26 of yes. the Run Duo. And yes. this, we got a little something different this time. Yeah. We got what's called Almost Live <laughs> Run Duo. We're not streaming almost it. Live. It's Almost Live. When all yes. Almost Live means is I'm not streaming it because I just could not come to terms with the, the crappy um, stream look. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to record it and post it on our IGTV, and we get a, yes. a, get a little uh, Run Duo uh, YouTube channel uh, I'm going to set up. But if, you know, India happens to fall out of her chair, I'm not going to edit it out. I'm just going to leave it. Don't. So that's that's what we mean by almost live. Just to let you know. So he just, I need to keep myself in the chair upright. So India. Yes. Yes, we are the Run Duo. We are. My name is Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. And this is episode, which one? 26. 26. Yes. Do you know that our um, anniversary episode is coming? It's coming. It's coming. Not quite yet, but it's yes. coming. We might have to do something special. We need to do something special for our anniversary episode. <laughs> now, this episode, we are going to have a guest. Our guest yes. is going to be Jerry Brown. Now, I will not put the the recording of the recording of Jerry Brown on the Almost Live. The Almost right. Live will be just our shenanigans. Just us. But you stuff. definitely have to go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play yes. to uh, listen to that interview with Jerry Brown. Yes. Now... Get this episode going. Yes. We both were at the premises of the Georgia <laughs> Publix Marathon. We yes, both were, we were there. We were there. Now. But you did something very different than I what did I did. a little different. Now, see, okay, and, and you don't know I'm about to do this. So, in the twilight of the morning, India, Cedric Harris, <laughs> and, and Gary. I know where you're going with this. Proceeded to clown the hell out of me it was for running the marathon. Lies. No, no. no. I was so oh. mad. You know what? I was later on, I was like, why didn't I take that? Why didn't I take that? Lies, y'all lies, were lies. clowning me. Y'all Tommy, really, no, it was y'all not really had clowning. me bad. Y'all really had me feeling bad about running the marathon. I Listen. really was like, Maybe I should have run the half. Maybe y'all, I should have run the five. It was not why clowning. am I doing this? I'm, was- I'm questioning myself. <laughs> It was nothing but love and support. It's all it was. It was literally me saying, "Congrat! Like you got this. Are mm. you ready? Like I sent nah, him an early morning nah. text message. Like that was mine. Ooh, I don't know Lord, what. I don't so, know what they God. were doing. Don't but believe mine this fake was, news I that India is giving you right I now. I am out here for you. <laughs> I am about to run this 5K and be out there cheering. Like this is what it is. Oh, oh my God. Anyway." So I ran the marathon. It was perceived in Indi- India ran the 5K. I did. So we pretty because with um with the Publix now, <laughs> if you run a marathon, you have to run the full 13 and a half. Right. With I mean the 13 miles, whatever the half marathon with everybody, and then you go back out and finish it with the other half, that other 13. So I got to run, I guess the full 13 course and the full you know marathon course. Right. India got to run the 5K course. Yes. How was the 5K course? So the 5K course was good. It actually started out up Marietta Street the same way that Road to Gold started out. So when I was running the first part, I was like, oh, this was Road to Gold, um, the eight the 8.2-mile okay. Road to Gold. Uh-huh. So it started out with that. Um, it was a good course. I actually was feeling really good, surprisingly feeling good, because I had ran the uh, 10K the, on Saturday. But the course was good. <coughs> Excuse me. Almost lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, almost lie. 
we not going to edit that out. My bad, y'all. Sorry. I'm living. I'm good. Um, the only thing that I would say that I was concerned about uh, around mile two and a half ish, around about two, they had us, they kept, uh, when we were in the Georgia State area, they had us keep crossing the street left and right, left and right. Like, the, I don't know like if it just was, yes, like, I don't know if it was that the police couldn't get the traffic together. Like, y'all need to stay on this side of the road versus not. But we, mm. at one point, we're on the left. Next point, we're on the right. And we're like, get it together. Because I'm like, tangent, like, I'm like, we're going to be all over the place. And so it was like, some people was on the left, some people was on the right, cars were on the right. So I don't know if it just was the police officers couldn't get it right, but... It was a good. It was a good race. It was a good race. Did you? Now you did two races. Yes. That um you did. I used to do that. That double double race weekend. I'm tired. Because <laughs> you did the Shamrock. Well, Shamrock is a double loop 10k, which sucks. So let's talk about that. So the only reason why I usually I hadn't done Shamrock since like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my race schedule, it had me doing a 10k race, and so I was like, okay, the only 10k race. Oh, that was for, there, you, for, for the, the cherry blossom. For the cherry okay, blossom. training yeah. for the tra- so cherry blossom. So training for the cherry blossom. It had me doing a 10k race for that for this week. So out for last week, and so I was like, okay, let me find a race, and Shamrock ended up being it. But yes, double loop races always mess up my mind, and we had to hit Northside Hill twice. Ooh, yeah, I've, I've run Shamrock. Don't worry, yes. I have. So of course, so Shamrock for those that are not for Atlanta Station area, and if you in Atlanta, Northside Drive Hill is literally like you see it, and it's just straight up, straight up. And so of course, after you do that first loop, and then you pass the finish line, kind of like how y'all did, you mm-hmm. pass the finish line, and you have to go do another loop, and you know the hills that you're about to endure. But yeah. and the only thing that I didn't like about it, literally. The 5K had everybody. They had the, the road split right in front of the BB&T building. They uh-huh. had 5K on one side, side. They had 10K on the other side. It was so many 5K runners. Not a lot, but, like, it was enough 5K runners that I felt like it was, like, 10 10K runners. <laughs> and so by the time we hit that second loop, I was out there alone. Like, I was like, yeah, there's nobody. Not a lot of people run that. that because it's a double loop. Because it's, it's a not double a lot. loop. And you know what's crazy? One year, I, <laughs> I signed up for that thinking – I could uh, use that to get a better uh, qualifying time for Peach Street. <laughs> nah, bro, not that race. Yeah, that yeah. ain't the one to do it nah, on. That I ain't feel, the one to do it on. I was, I was okay. I was a little bit tired, um, but I, I still beat my time. Like I, I've been trying to stay within my ten k like time mm-hmm. frame, and so I did that. But it was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. But I, I mean, I did it. I think they need to start so giving medals out for the, the, the shamrock. Yeah, they don't give any medals unless no, you place. No, Yeah, unless yeah. you place in your your um age group. That's one of them true ten k's. Like, oh, yeah. you don't place. You don't place. You, you don't get. You don't nothing. get nothing. And I'm not used to racing nowadays without a medal, so it was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, um, yes. you did the five k the next day. Yes. Um, Sunday morning. I felt strong. You felt strong. You felt I did. good. I did. Decided you, was to... it more of a, a trot than a race for you, or how did you how did you run it? It was a trot. Um, okay. It was. I decided to run with Marquesa and Jerome, um, mm-hmm. and so we were just kind of at the starting line, and I was just like, you know, let's let's run together. And Marquesa was like, you're not gonna be dragging me, and I was like, I'm not gonna drag you. We're just gonna go. <laughs> so I did push a little bit. Um, I probably could have pushed a little bit more if I didn't want to stay stay with them. But yeah. I still I still had a good race. Like I enjoyed it. I was talking crap on the route. I was we were dancing and stuff at the beginning. So it was just more of a I'm out here to enjoy and support and to get a medal that I didn't get yesterday. I, I got, <laughs> <laughs> let me get this medal for the weekend. Right for the weekend. <laughs> so it was good. Um, I felt like I probably could have pushed. I felt really good. I had a really good Saturday night. And just 
enjoyed myself and I was able to wake up. I, at first, I was at five o'clock when my alarm went off. I was like, I'm about to cancel Sunday. Sunday. I was about to cancel it all. But I was like, nah, let me go out here. I knew my partner Tommy was running, so I was like, I need to go out here and not not flake they, on the Don't let them don't believe that fake news. They clown me, y'all. I did not. <laughs> oh my God. Y'all were going in. But that's okay. That's okay. <sighs> because I once I got to the start line, I was I was like, you know, whatever. It's, you you train for this. And that's what I was telling you. I texted you, I said, You train for no, this. No, I'm you not saying you did. This. But right there at the running nerds tent. <laughs> Y'all were clowning me. <laughs> straight. Even I think Heather even jumped in. But that's normal. But anyway. <laughs> that's normal. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's okay. But anyway, it was all good. Um, the route, because it's changed. It changed from um, the original. So if you ran uh, back, was it 2017 they did Team Takedown? It was 2017? Six, was it 16? 17. 17. Whenever, right, it was two yeah, years ago. I think it was 2017, mm-hmm. um, Team Takedown, uh, Publix Marathon, and everybody came to Atlanta and ran it. Yes, and we I sold that thing out. Sold that thing out. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think <laughs> it might have hurt Atlanta running more than it helped it because I think everybody left Atlanta like, I ain't never running Atlanta no more. <laughs> ain't running no Atlanta more. no more. And I really think that really did happen because, yeah. you know. You talk it, to you, people, they're like, nope. Yep. Even when I said, well, they changed the course, you know. Hey, they're like it's still in Atlanta, though, yeah, right? Y- it yeah, is. then no. Mm. So anyway, I heard it was more scenic. See, I don't know. I I, I don't care you how. Because you you were just racing. No, how? No matter how, what shape I'm in, when I'm running a marathon, I don't see hardly anything okay. when I'm running. I'm just, I'm usually like almost focused in front of me just to make sure I don't trip, trip over a pothole or something right, like that. Right, right. So I I rarely see scenery. I mean. And I'm from Atlanta. I've seen it before. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so the biggest change is that they did take out the Decatur area, right? Yeah, like which, they took out that area. Honestly, I like the run up to Decatur because I okay. felt like that was flat. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could stretch my legs a little bit on that that straight out yeah. to Decatur. Now, of course, coming back, you're coming through those neighborhoods and right. you're hitting hills. Right. So anyway, you the basic thing is you go around the city. The, the regular, and I'm thinking that's the same half marathon course that they've always had. Mm-hmm. I don't think that actually changed. Some people said it did, but the last time I ran the half marathon, that looked like the same course to me. Okay. So anyway, you run around the city on the half marathon course. So if you're running a marathon, you come all the way back to the start line, and you watch all the half, they split you right there. Marathoners, half marathoners. You watch all the half marathoners. Finish. Run off to the finish, finish drink up all the beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they all get back. Everybody's patting them on the back. Everybody's loving them. And you go off. And it was you hilarious. Keep going for another 13. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I want to shout out uh, Juan Mina because Juan, I know he was following his fiance, mm. but she must have been, she was running the half. She must have been pretty close to me. Okay. Because literally every corner I turned, Juan was there. <laughs> go, Juan. <laughs> every time I, I was like, dude, if I knew you were going to be here, I would have rolled with you. <laughs> I mean, because every time, every, I Can mean, I get a ride, yeah, so I, I think she must have been close to me and he was at the finish too. Okay. Um, when I was coming up to make my turn to go to the, to the uh, rest of the marathon. And it was funny because as you're coming through, people are cheering, go, yeah. go, go, go. And this guy running by me and we, we turn and you turn right there. Like you're going behind the CNN center. Mm-hmm. So you turn right there and go up and like the guy beside me goes, now we're alone. Right. <laughs> Literally, and that is all the cheers. Now we are alone, and that's so. How was that for you, like mentally, like to know? You know what? I think it took a lot out of me because literally, I ran the first half pretty comfortably. 
I really didn't feel I, I didn't feel tired. I felt pretty good. I think I hit the half. The, you know, I hit that part. I said I hit at two ten. Heather said the thing said two thirteen. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> So to me, I felt like if I had just signed up for the half, I could have run a two hour, you know, if I was just running to do the half. Right. But I was running really easy. I was running with the 430 group. Okay. Um, and I got a little bit ahead of them at that point. Um, but I was running, you know, within myself. I wasn't tired or anything. But I ain't going to lie. When I turned that corner, everything, like my like my body was like, Forget oh, we this. still got to go some we more? We still got to go Exactly. That's exactly more. like my body's like, we still going? Right. But anyway... It was an interesting course. Like, literally, you could tell they were trying not to cross major highways mm. um, because, you know, it costs more money to shut right. them down. Because mm-hmm. we actually went on – there's a bridge that goes over – I don't know what road that is that runs there behind um, Mercedes-Benz and the old and where um, the dome would have been. Mm-hmm. But there's a street that runs back there, uh, and there's a martyr station right here. But there's a street that's a major road, and we literally ran on the, the bridge that takes you across it. Like, they ran, wound us around. Well, I know they're doing a lot of construction, and they were also taping a movie right over there, so that may be why. Well, maybe they got me on film. <laughs> um, but anyway, they ran, you, you kind of do a little circle and go across the bridge. Um, you go through, of course, the AUC. Right. You see Morehouse, Spellman, yeah. Morris Brown. You see yeah. all of that. Now, this is the thing that bothered me. Okay. Now, of course, there's hills. I mean, I mean I'm not surprised anybody. It's not a hot take. There's, right. there's hills in Atlanta. Right. But this is what kind of bothered me. So, at one point... With it, what, like two miles? Oh, and let me shout out. I want to shout out Heather King. Heather King set up at mile 16. Yes. Point five, perk five. And she had it set up. She had the pickle juice. She had yeah, it all set up. The oranges. She had um, everything for y'all. Angie, Angie O'Neill was over there. Carrie Fox is over there. I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody, but she had a, quite, a, quite a few people over mm-hmm. there that were cheering people on. So thank you very much. Actually, they had to kick me out. They're like, look, you got to keep running. Keep running I, now. I go lie. I you ran. Stop. They had a little high five thing. I ran through it. And then after she fo- photographed me, I, I walked back around like, let me see what you got at your table. <laughs> <laughs> you took a pit stop. <laughs> I stopped. Took a couple photos. But they're like, look, you got to keep running. This, right. this pit stop, keep going. Right. So anyway, but I wanted to shout her out. But anyway, you get to a point where you're running under the Olympic, you know, over by Turner. Well, what yeah, was Turner Field? Turner Field. Mm-hmm. The Olympic rings. Right. So you run under the Olympic rings. Now, that is where you start the Thanksgiving half. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't actually go physically check this out because I've run the Thanksgiving half plenty of times. But I'm pretty sure if y- you can run from the Olympic rings directly to Centennial Park, and that's about two miles. <laughs> yes. We had two miles Straight to go. Down. That mm-hmm. would be two miles, and it's downhill. Mm. Okay. These motherfuckers so, going another way. <laughs> wh- okay. You know how you, you ever been in a car with somebody, and you think you know where you're going, and then, like, they turn another direction? No, Yo, you be like, where you going? Exactly. Because <laughs> they went, instead of going and heading, like, that way towards Sentinel Park, it went and went like this. I was like. Wait a minute. Because you, you come down. You know how you come down. Yeah. I guess it's Piedmont. Towards, towards cap- the, um, the Capitol. Yeah, so you yes. come down towards the Capitol, and usually you keep going, and I think at the Thanksgiving half, I don't know, you turn on one of those streets. Mm-hmm. I think you want to turn on DeKalb, mm-hmm. and it takes you by Centennial Park. Correct. No. They come down. You get to right before the Georgia State Martyr Station. Mm-hmm. And they, they busted make, a right. And they busted a right. And they worked us around until we got to um, Oakland Cemetery. Okay. So they get to Oakland Cemetery. Yeah, because we were over there by Georgia State, too, the 5Ks. Okay, yeah. okay. They get to Oakland Cemetery, and then they bring you back, and you go, you come out on DeKalb, but instead of being up by downtown, you come up on DeKalb by um, King Memorial Martyr Station. 
So you running uphill oh, yeah. from King Memorial. So you have a marathon that finishes uphill. Sounds about right. Let, let me tell you something, Indian. <laughs> Use fist. When I said, when I, y'all think I'm playing. I literally <laughs> almost picked up my phone and called the Atlanta Track Club to leave a voicemail. <laughs> What the hell y'all doing? Because, <laughs> I mean, my you can run straight. It's downhill. What's the problem with running right. downhill? Right. It was too but much like right. Too I looked, much like look, right. I've calmed down since then. Good. And the thing is, I, can, I can't. crush your marathon. No, I didn't. It was, I, I didn't crush nothing. I finished. I ain't crushed nothing. I finished. But I'll say this. I'm glad I finished. I was half trained. I was ready for a half marathon. I was ready, not ready for a marathon. But we getting there. Um, but I finished. And after looking at everybody else that ran the marathon, because I was like, I'm not going to compare the two because I'm not in the same shape. I was in spectacular shape when I ran for team takedown. I hear you. I was in, I'm in shape to finish this time. So I didn't want to say one was harder than the other. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at everybody else's comments, a lot of people liked it. Yeah, a lot I've, of people I've like heard some really good yeah, things about the yeah, new route. Yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot of people that like the route. And it could be I just I wasn't in shape and I'm not, you know, usually when I'm running those kinds of races, I'm in better shape. So mm. I felt like, okay, this sucks. Right. So anyway, but still, somebody looked at the map in Atlanta and decided to give us an extra hill. That's all I'm saying. I think you did very well, Tom. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. I did. I did. Okay, what else we got? What else? That's my that's my synopsis of the Publix uh, marathon. So what else we got? So um, as we are talking about, I guess, Atlanta Track Club. So, of course, the trials are coming here in mm-hmm. Atlanta um, mm-hmm. in 2020. So um, we thank you, Darrell, sent us a very nice article yeah. about yes. uh-huh. the qualifying system that is changing. The standards are changing for the Olympics that's going to be taking place in Tokyo in 2020. And these qualifying standards are... Step. Harder. They're yeah, harder. They stepped them up. Definitely. I was I read it today at lunch and they stepped them up. So the women's marathon time changed from 245 to 229.30. That's a big jump. Yes. From what it was in 2016 to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the men's went from 219 to 211 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the new qualifying system is changing how people can qualify for the Olympics. Um, and basically what they're saying is that you can qualify and correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, because I know we both read the articles and I think all of us were like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was everybody. a little confusing, right? Like it was, it was a little confusing. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, confusing. but it seemed as if it's, it's basically taking place. It, it could be minimizing your ability to get into the Olympics by using Olympic trials, whereas you would be using the world major marathons as your time versus the Olympic trials. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and what, and the thing is the U S and I mean, I I haven't studied this. I didn't Mm -hmm. go look it up. Don't send me no emails. Like I'm wrong. Right. But a lot of countries don't have Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries already use, um, world majors for the marathons. A lot of countries already use, um, well, shoot, um, Tokyo, right. Tokyo, Japan uses Mm -hmm. that marathon, as how they kind of gauge for the Olympics as well. Um, and then world championships for, like, track and field events. They use world right. championships right. as ways to gauge for their Olympic trials. And a lot of countries just pick people. Right. Like, just based off of who knows what they're picking off of. Right. So they're basically going to be accepting all athletes who achieve the entry standards, but then they are going to backfill it with the people that 
make the base ranking for the the new world ranking system. So they're still looking at the world ranking system, mm-hmm. but of course, the qualifying times for the world ranking system are stiff, like what we just mentioned. So yeah. the two nineteen, um, sorry, the two eleven thirty and the two twenty nine thirty is now what the standards is. So if your mind as an elite runner, if you were only focusing on that two forty five and trying to get kind of in the top yeah. w- top frame for the Olympic trials. You got to step your game up. You either got to come to the Olympic trials and run that time. That time. Because you could be in the top three and they'd be like, well, no, you didn't qualify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even if, so I think that the mindset of what the, the Olympic trials that's coming here in Atlanta in 2020, it's no longer 245 to get in. Like it's literally the time is stiffer and it's not just you getting in the top three or the top 10 to be able to qualify for the Olympics. That's not it anymore. No, no. And so I think that that's, what's really interesting. And, um, rich, which is the director of Atlanta track club, of course, responded to the article that was, that was put out by, um, let's run.com and basically said he hopes that they reconsider and change what it is, um, in regards to the standards, because they basically, he's saying that they don't want them to minimize what the Olympic trials looks like in the, in the, the significance yeah. of the Olympic trials. Well, I'm like that too. Cause it looks like they're trying to control how countries pick their Olympic athletes. Right. Personally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole thing is it is exciting to see some guy like they, like Rich was saying, what is this guy who's been injured all season? Right. He gets ready mm-hmm. and makes it to the Olympic trials. And he comes in top three. Right. But right. because he hasn't run all season because he's been injured, right. he doesn't have the points or the times mm-hmm. to actually qualify. Exactly. Because they're saying that the new system, top 10 in world majors basically automatically get in. But the top three in the trials, it makes it hard. It, you don't automatically get in. Yeah. So it kind of minimized the probably the excitement of the trials. And, like, you True. really have to go to these majors and bust behind in the majors and not necessarily the Olympic well, trials. Well, th- they say they're doing it to um, make it so that um, – these top athletes can't skip meets. Like you gotta go to they're these meets and run up against other runners to 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 make it to the Olympics. Exactly. So they're making you train harder during your off season, not just train for the trials. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to minimize. But I, I I don't know. Like some people don't like to do. That. I mean, I know some people that I follow. A lot of elite that I follow follow on Instagram, and they do run the majors. You know, yeah. they're out here doing the races. They're out here doing it, but. These qualifying times are stick. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Things change. They do. I mean, like, you know, if things change, we might go to this and, you know, five years from now, nobody will care. Mm-hmm. But right now, yes, it seems like, at least from America's point of view, right. how we do it mm-hmm. is like, really? Because right. we feel like, hey, anybody with the Olympic trials, anybody, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I could just, like, I ain't run all year, but you know what? <laughs> I'm about to come in. I'm here about and go to go to out here because that's what Rich kind of said. He's like, yeah. spectators, everybody, you got a shot if right. you can finish in the top three, regardless right. of what the rest of your le- year look like. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, um, I understand where they're coming from because it's almost the same thing with like now that they have playoffs in college football and playoffs in college basketball, mm-hmm. it almost gets rid of your year. Right. All you got to do is make it to the playoffs. Right. And then anything can happen. Exactly. Whereas it kind of, because like, I don't watch college basketball during the season. I, I watch March it. Madness only. That's all I watch. Because what, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of watching it exactly. unless you really got a team that you love? Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that what they're trying to do is make it so that 
you got to do all you got to do the season. You can't just wait until the Olympic trials. And that's where you decide exactly. to uh, to do it. So it's going to be interesting. I would love to hear from some of the elite um, just kind of how they yeah. feel or even if uh, they they I mean, I'm pretty sure they've heard about these standards yeah. changing um, mm-hmm. because it's coming up pretty soon. But I would like to hear kind of what they think. Because well, it's going to be interesting. It just, you know, it makes somebody not want to like because a lot of elites will skip a world major mm-hmm. to run the trials now. Mm-hmm. But with this. It's making you you're not yeah you're gonna yeah. run the world major and not gonna run the trial because exactly. I mean you can still get in yep. if you're you know that kind of person well, that's exactly what has to happen so well yeah. um I got oh one thing one thing I did want to go over before we uh get ready to go and end our almost live yeah. um so I was I, I'm an audible guy yeah, I listen to books know. I don't really read them because that is why it's a pain in the butt the to other read. Day, this fool asked me if I had a bookshelf, and I was just like, yes. He was like, but why? Well, I, I mean, like, there's so many different ways to get information from books now. <laughs> and it's, it's less about buying an actual book. It's more about why do you keep it after you read it? You yeah. got the knowledge, pass it on to somebody. But anyway, yeah. so I, um, and hold on a second. Um, here we go. Don't fall so, out my chair. Exactly. Don't fall out my chair. So I listened to this book, and it was really good, actually. Um, it's called... Good to go, and I'm going to pull it up really quickly here before we get out of here, if I can, on my phone. Um, but it's called Good to Go, and it's it's by a young lady named Christy Ashwanden. And basically, Good to Go is, um, it talks about, it talks about recovery. And, mm-hmm. and she kind of makes it, you know, a scientific thing. She talks about different recovery techniques that a lot of them are, like, tried and true. Like, people... People will read and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. She mm-hmm. even said when she was making the book and she actually brought out the scientific evidence that what you're doing does right. not help you recover, mm-hmm. they didn't believe her. Right. They, they would send her emails, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But she, she, everything was scientific. It wasn't just her doing it. And just to kind of give an example, and, like they, and I was telling you earlier, they did talk about Mike, our, our, um, Wardian. My, Mike Wardian, mm-hmm. because he says to fall asleep on the plane, um, when he's flying around doing all those um, um, marathons yes. for the seven continents, seven days, mm-hmm. um, he uses a um, sleep, not a sleep app, but a meditation app. Mm-hmm. So that was one of his recovery calming. rates. Exactly, yeah. calming, mm-hmm. which I would think so on that plane. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, so, you need something. Yeah, but he says it doesn't really always put him to sleep, but it calms him and helps him, he thinks, refocus, refocus and start mm-hmm. his recovery. But the main one I want to talk about, because this is one that everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. Ice baths. Yes. Everybody. I mean, I don't really do them just because I, do them. I, I don't do them because I'm not putting my my uh, chips and niblets in that cold ass water. Yeah. But it, people swear by ice baths. Mm-hmm. Now let me just see, tell you what she said, and I hope this makes you go out. It's on Audible. You can go buy it. Good to go. Go check it out. But basically, this is what she said about ice, ba- ice baths. First off, she said it depends when you're doing them. Okay. Because yes. It will slow down inflammation, but she said if you are actually in your training season, mm-hmm. what your body, what you're trying to get your body to do is to adapt to your training. Mm. By taking the ice bath, you are actually slowing that process down because you need the inflammation for your body to adapt. That is your body adapting mm-hmm. to this training that you're doing. Mm-hmm. She said. Ice baths are good. Okay. She said ice baths are good if you are um, using it for uh, 
like say you had a bunch of races back to back to back. Okay. And you like you had a race this day, right? Like if you're running seven days in a row, right? You need to come. Yeah, that it helps you hold off that so that you can continue to run. But if you're actually during the year and well during your training and working up to your actual thing, um, you shouldn't do the ice bath. You should let your body do whatever it's gonna do to help it adapt to the training. I don't know. See, I mean, I get it. See, and and the thing is, I get it, but I get Mm -hmm. super sore, like. After certain long runs, I have to do an ice bath, or I feel like I have to do the ice bath because the day after the ice bath, if I don't do an ice bath, I'm walking around like waddling. Yes, but that's what she says. If you're trying to get your body to adapt to this training, Mm -hmm. you need to waddle. Okay. But like, okay, so after a marathon, though, yeah, you should do it because you're not you don't have another race the next day. Right. You do want to you do want that waddling to go away. Right. But if you're actually like she was saying, yeah, if you're going if you're training, it slows down that training process. But it's a great book. That's not the only one. She goes to about 10 of them. So it's definitely perfect. But anyway, yes, yes, um, yes. I think it's time for our guest. It is. All right. Well, we're going to bring him on right now. All right. And we are back yeah. with the Run Duo, and we have a great guest today. We have Mr. Jerry Brown. How you doing today, Jerry? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. Well, you probably have uh, forgotten more about Atlanta running history <laughs> than I know, so I definitely wanted to, to speak with you. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to speak with you during Black History Month, but I, I, I came close, so I just, I just wanted to speak with you and kind of talk about that. Now, for people who you know, live under rock, don't live in Atlanta, who may not know who you are, just kind of introduce yourself, uh, uh, who you are, how long you've been running, what's, what's kind of your run story? All right, well, uh, I'll reveal my age when I tell you that I've been running for about 50 years. Uh, so you started running when you were 10? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When I was three years old. But, uh, no, I, I started running competitively in high school. Um, I was a dedicated track guy. Uh, you know, back in high school, I was a, you know, back in my day, it was called the 880, uh, 880-yard eight, runner mm-hmm. and mile runner. Uh, I was a sub-425 runner in high school. Wow. I was running 420 twos to 424s pretty routinely which you know in New Jersey that wasn't necessarily a uh, remarkable uh, time because we had guys running high school guys running 411s 413s I was in high school when Marty LaQuarrie was running the mile in, in high school he was a senior I think my freshman year and you all know who Marty LaCourie is, right? He is one of the greatest milers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember lining up right next to Marty in the high school cross-country state championships in New Jersey. And as soon as the gun went off, he had about 50 yards on me. <laughs> wow. I was like, who is this guy? Right. But, um, but, yeah, so I've been running since then, and I've, you know, pretty much – Mostly on, but off and on since then, I've been running. Mostly on. I've had some periods where, you know, I just didn't do a lot of running. Uh, Like when I was in college, I didn't do a lot of running. Um, 
And I had periods after um, I got out of school that I just, you know, took maybe one or two or two and a half years off and didn't do a lot of running. But I've always come back to it. And I've been pretty consistent ever since I, I came to Atlanta. You know, I missed a little bit of time when my, my wife had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and But so that's that's it. I've been at least 50 years. And, uh, you know, my my running has changed a little. I went from track. I even ran track when I got out of high school. I used to go to just pick up meets and um, went to a, a pre-Olympic trial. Oh. Didn't make the cut uh, about a year or two after I got out of high school. But, um, you know, obviously I, I moved to Atlanta in 84 and from there I was doing road races because that's what we did Mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't really until 2013 that I started doing trail races and I think that's where we met Tom somewhere around there um I recall actually actually that's um Jerry uh was kind enough to uh pat me on the back after I ran my one and only half marathon trail race. Um he said you might have bitten off a little bit more than you could chew for your first trail cuz that was my first ever trail race right. and I decided to run on a half. You remember? <laughs> I'm and I think, you remember that. Yeah, I remember that because I think I think you placed, and I think Maria <laughs> actually was there as well, and she placed um, at that particular meet. And I went and sat in my car and tried to recover because it was. I think it even snowed a little bit that day. It was right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that's probably around the time that we we probably met. Yeah, and I think I met Jerry at a was... couple races, but just like in passing. And then when we really were able to have a conversation with Stu, Maria, and a couple of her gathering like. Um, her trail run oh, gathering. Yeah. So, yeah. Trail running is where you can Yeah, our little uh, urban wanderers. Yeah, adventure. that's what it is. Urban yeah. wanderers. Thank you, Jerry. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't put the name on it. Yeah, urban wanderers. We need to spark that back up again. That does yes. sound good. That really does sound good. I would like to ask you, because like, like you said, you've been running for about 50 years. You, you moved to Atlanta back, you said, like in 84. The one thing I, I love about you, Jerry, is like every once in a while, you're like post- a throwback like some a throwback photo of you winning something and like it'll be a race that is no longer around anymore but you you won it or you placed in your age group or whatever tell us a little bit about like when you first got to Atlanta like you said you're running road races what was the atmosphere like for running then like were you like was the Atlanta track club races as big and as packed as they are now or was it like you know sparse you know what 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 was going on then well, the Atlanta Track Club was then, as they are now, the big dog in town. When I first started running Atlanta Track Club races, um, Julia Emmons was the the uh, director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Julia ran the organization with an iron fist. A mm-hmm. uh, very different style than what you see with Rich Kana. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, and she was well-respected and, and admired, and, I mean, she did a, a great job. She did a great job. But those races were uh, probably the first races that I was attracted to. And you know, I've always liked, and I, I still am, almost to a fault. Uh, I am a very competitive runner. So I was attracted to 
the competition that I saw there, the guys in my age group who were just laying down some incredible times. Mm -hmm. And so I was attracted to those races and, and the Grand Prix. Uh, I have my my lone Grand Prix trophy, my brass cup. <laughs> that uh, it's probably my favorite age group award. Uh, with getting that meant a lot to me because it, it it meant to me that I had risen to a level where you know I was competitive with a group of guys. It was mostly, you know, mostly if I can say mostly white guys uh-huh. who were very good runners. And and that that was the thing back then, you know, the the black running community was was a lot smaller, a lot less visible. Uh, I mean, it's transformed incredibly in the last ten, fifteen years. Uh, but back then, you know, when you went to a race, and I mostly did five Ks back mm-hmm. then. Uh, I was because I wanted to build up my speed. Everything was, you know, developing speed for me back then, just to try to keep up with some of these guys. But, uh, you know, you didn't get, they didn't give out medals. They didn't give out medals for anything but marathons. Mm-hmm. Not even not even half marathons. Uh, so if you wanted to get any sort of hardware, you uh, you had to be pretty good. You had to you had to place or mm-hmm. something like that. It wasn't like it is now. It wasn't a it was, participation yeah, medal no like participation it is medals now. back then. No, there was nothing like that. I mean, you had to be one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And even in the in some of the years when the the um, South Fulton Running Partners did the sickle cell run, I know a couple of years they only gave out trophies to first and second. They didn't even get out to third place, <laughs> but you had to you had to be pretty good, right. and um, so the guys, some of the guys you see around now, uh, the sixty year old guys, um, you know, people like Don Webster and Greg Hale and 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 Bobby Sasbury, and there are a lot of guys that you probably don't see a lot of that were very very fast runners. I mean, Owen Powell, who I think he still runs with the uh, Striders, David Hill, uh, Kermit Bowen. I mean, it was just a lot of really, really strong runners, uh, serious OGs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> some of them are out there. Some of them are not as visible anymore. Um, it's just, it was an incredible time, just a very and and. <laughs> Don't don't let me forget Johnny Davis, who uh, that guy was running five Ks in the 16s. Wow! Uh, and the rest of us were running 17s, 18s, uh, pretty routinely. Um, but you had to do that if you wanted to be competitive. Well, let me ask you this, Jerry. Uh, now, because like you're saying, you know Johnny Davis, you're you know running 16, five Ks. Like nowadays, we do have a lot of people who are don't try to compete at that level, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. You, you know, you run your pace, but was there, was people that ran like back in the eighties, was everybody pretty competitive or were there still like people that came out who just were out there for fun, you know, that sort of thing, just to, just to get a run in. Yeah, there were, there were those, there were people like that. And you would mostly see them at the big, um, mostly predominantly African-American races. Mm 
mm-hmm. like the you know the sickle cell race was was huge back then. Uh, we looked forward to that every year. I couldn't wait for 365 days to go around so I could run that again. Nice. Um, there were, and uh, you know, and the Striders would put on races, the uh, the Cap Striders. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just other races like that that drew large African American crowds. But then you go to the other races, and you know, the African-American participation wasn't as great. And that's one of the really nice things that has happened over the last decade, uh, decade and a half, really. Uh, our numbers have grown tremendously. And um, that's a good thing, regardless of <laughs> whether you're out there just to get fit or whatever your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so good to see the numbers that we have now. Um, so... That, that's that's been a an evolution. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen the pace changes like between when you were kind of doing those races versus now? Do you feel like they've gotten faster? Or we don't have as, as many faster guys. I mean, I know they're out there. We have a lot of people that Tommy, you and I all of us know personally, but do you feel like there has been a change in the pace average? Uh- uh, I think the paces have eased a little. I mean, if you look statistically at, at marathon paces, you can see uh, average marathon the marathon times actually deteriorating. But, you know, people are participating more, and people have different purposes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I, I personally don't think that's a bad thing. Um, well, and, I and think, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, dear. No, I was going to say, back in the day, because there were fewer of us, we were all a little bit more visible to each other. And I think we all wanted to be, you know, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And we had some great women out there, too, mm-hmm. uh, that were running incredible times. People like, you know, Anita Warner, who I don't know where she is now or whether or not she's even still running, but uh, she would come out and every time I saw her in a race, she was right up there. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I think yeah, and we have, like you said, India, we do have some really great people out there now. I mean, I look at what uh, Darrell is doing and, you know, Patrick Jefferson and, you know, even the women. You look at Margo and Ebony's trying to be uh, a boss runner, yes. and, and she is. She's gotten many better. Many, many miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you have Moria. And, I, you know, once she has that baby, you watch. She's going to oh, yeah, bounce she right back. Hard, yeah. Yes, definitely. She's ready for it. <laughs> well, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that, we probably have about the same amount. It's just that, you know, there's so many of us now that um, it's just a different visibility factor, I think, mm-hmm. even with social media. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing is, like, I, I have I, I always look at the the statistics each year they come out with, you know, how is running doing and that sort of thing. And actually, it's kind of on the decline it, based on because it was it was at a peak. I mean, like you said, in the last 10 years or so, the running has been climbing and climbing and climbing in popularity. Of course, you can't sustain that. Eventually, it's going to, you know, drop a little bit. And I just wonder because um, I played um I play golf. I've been, you know, my, my uncle showed me how to play golf when I was like six years old. So I, I, before there was a Tiger Woods or anybody like that, I was playing golf. 
But, you know, of course, that time period when Tiger first came out, everybody wanted to play golf. It was, you know, the thing to do. And it's kind of swelled off, which I just kind of like because now I can go out and play golf and actually get a, a round in. I mean, how does that you, – how do you see it as far as, like, from when you started? Like, it's, it's reached its peak. I mean, would it make a difference to you if it did, like, decline back again to, you know, the level it was, like, when you were running back in, you know, the 90s and that sort of thing? Well, I don't know, Tommy. I think it's it's changed so much. I mean, uh, people have, I think, a slightly fiercer element to, you know, the running back then because we were, we were striving for relevancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Atlanta Track Club wasn't as open to African Americans as it was as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was different. I mean. You know, I'd go to races and, you know, I'd be bucking people to get right up on the front. Mm. And, you know, people would be looking at you like, why are you even here? Yeah. Uh, so we had to get respect. That's, you know, I don't think it's it's like that anymore. Well, uh, and I mean, I agree with you, Jerry, that it's not exactly like that. But I still think as far as distance running, oh yeah, I think We're we, we still, yeah. you know, mm have to, you know, kind of work to 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 kind of claim my spot elite wise. Let me put it that way. I guess elite wise, we, we still have to claim my spot because uh, I was at one time. And like I said, Jerry, I love you because, you know, you'll sit back. I don't see you post a whole, whole lot. But when you do, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm I'm always appreciative that you did because I think and I'm not going to, you know, mention the name of the running group, or whatever anything. But basically, there was a run group that was saying that they felt like the Atlanta Track Club wasn't, um representing as many African-Americans that we have that are members of the Atlanta track club, they weren't representing us very well. And I remember you posted something to the effect of you want to, you want them to notice you, you want them to represent you start winning races. And I mean, I remember saying yeah. that and I was like, you know what? He's right. You start winning races. Trust me. It they will, will notice you. Right? It will, it will definitely make a difference. And actually I, I truly believe that, that, the guy that you were saying that to took that to heart because they have, you know, relay teams now that go and just win, um, win races all over the place. So mm-hmm. I think he did take that to heart and they do go out and, and win races now. So I did appreciate when you, when you did say that. Yeah. I try to bite my tongue these days on, on things like that because, you know, I know people have a variety of reasons for uh, running mm-hmm. and, you know, me personally, um, I know for a while I, I probably had a little bit of arrogance about it because my attitude was, let's all get out there and kick some butt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wanted, I always want to get on the podium. Mm. Always. Uh, still like that. I'm trying to, trying to slow my roll a little bit this year. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it's been for me. And, um, you know, I've sought out different venues over the last few years um, just to try out different things and to see if I could win in different situations. Uh, and that's kind of why, kind of what I wished for, for, for everybody. But then, you know, you come to the realization that, you know, everybody's purpose and goals aren't the same as yours. So, um, it's just great to see so many people out there, regardless of why you're out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you want to get some respect from, from uh, the Atlanta Track Club, you know, you've got to be a boss runner. 
Uh, and they, they, they have their elite teams, uh, and they put people in, you know, pretty high level races all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's different. I ran for a, um, I run for a couple of clubs. I ran for, I ran for the tech club for about a year on their master's team. And I just didn't like it. Um, I didn't like being assigned races to go to. And, mm. uh, you know, we had asked for money. We had a group of guys from the Atlanta Trier Club that, that did Hood to Coast back in 95. Mm. Hood to Coast? And we had is that some, out in Washington State? Is that the one you're talking about? It's in Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. It starts, you know, starts halfway up Mount Hood mm -hmm. and runs out to the ocean. And that was the big race. I mean, right now I, I see a lot of people doing the Ragnar relay races, but Foot the Coast is still uh, the granddaddy. Mm -hmm. And we put together a team of top masters, uh, Atlanta Track Club masters, 12 of us. And we went out there in 95 and in 97. And we placed third in 95, second in 97 we actually beat nike's team nice. in 97 um but the atlanta track club wouldn't sponsor us for that so i was like yeah i ain't running for y'all <laughs> after that i think they did start sending teams out there uh and i've got us to think that it was in part because of the success that that uh, the team i was on had of course it was i was the, i was the only african-american on that team oh really okay yeah, both times. I, I ran the anchor both years, too. I ran, you know, I took the uh, bracelet at midnight downtown Portland. Um, just craziness. Um, I can't can't describe how much fun that relay was. It just, just both times, it was just incredible. But, yeah, I was the only African-American invited onto that squad wow. uh, with some really, really good guys. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have those kind of memories to uh, look back on. Is there any race here in Atlanta that, that you know, at one time was, like you, you were talking about Sickle Cell. I mean, yes, it still goes on. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing, based on what you're telling me, it's not as big as it used to be. But is there any races that are just no longer going on that was a big race back in the day? Whew. Boy, I don't know. I, I think back in the day, Hard Trek was probably uh, absolutely one of the biggest. Uh, Thanksgiving Day was huge. Both the marathon, they used to do the marathon and the half marathon mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving. Um, but they also used to do Georgia-Georgia Tech football on Thanksgiving. Mm. And one of the reasons why I got broken up and, and scrambled around and that that football game got moved to Saturday was because the uh, marathon would clash with the uh, traffic coming into the uh, football game when they held the game here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So it was a mess. And, you know, major meetings and negotiations with police, with the school, with the Atlanta Track Club. And finally, that's you know, what you see today was a result of, of some of those logistic problems. But, yeah, I think the big ones were Hard Trek, 
boy, there are a few others. How far uh, was the park track? How far? How how long of a run was that? They did a five and a ten k. It was very competitive. Um, all the bosses were out there. You know, all the guys in the uh, Grand Prix would show up for that. So you had all the really strong runners come out for for that for both the five and ten k. Um, Man, I don't even know if that's still around. I, I don't hear anything about Heart Trek. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have either. What part of town was that in? Downtown. Oh, it was. Okay, yeah, I know. I started at the started and ended at the old Civic Center. Okay, I know and exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Basically, you loop looped around downtown. So yeah, you had a couple of hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing you went up to you went up North Avenue. Yeah, we went up uh, Piedmont. Okay. Uh, was up Piedmont, looped around, went all the way back back down to uh, Marietta Street, or maybe even went a little further down from there, and then came back up Piedmont mm-hmm. and uh, finished in front of the, the Civic Center. But yeah, that that was a huge race. And strong legs was the other really now, I big break. I did run. I, I ran strong legs. That used to be over there by when it was Turner Field. Um, in that area. I think it was, yeah, somewhere over near Tech. Was it Tech? I think because I think I have a picture of me running that a while ago. That was back in. Uh, it was a cold, cold day. I remember that, but I do remember running uh, strong, strong legs. Yeah, strong legs used to be kind of like in the, in the fall, like Novemberish. Yeah. And hard hard track would be in the spring, in the March time frame, and then you had the marathon and half marathon. Those were the big three back then. Gotcha. Um, and then for us, mm-hmm. then for us, you know, it was sickle cell, and um, whatever the. Uh, the cap striders would throw out there. We, you know, we all respected those two organizations, and we showed up for their races. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, the striders gets diluted a little bit because of the um, the relay that happens in August, mm-hmm. um, which has become a big event. The one that Tess puts on. Okay, the ATL relay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, they're they're usually on the same day. Well, let me ask you this. So. Because, you know, there's been, we, we, you know, came, we started with, you know, and I wouldn't say we started with, we, we you know, of course we started with South, and Ful- South Fulton running partners and, you know, the Cab Striders, but um, then, you know, and I'm going to say then Black Girls Run, mm-hmm. has there been other African-American running groups, you know, besides the ones that I know, like Black Girls Run, um, you know, Black Men Run, you know, that sort of thing, that actually have come and gone or are still around that maybe, we, you know, we, maybe we just don't know about? I'm going to be honest with you, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Okay. Um, so what did you think, like, when – because, I mean, that's where I met you was basically, you know, Black Men Run when we were running out there um, at Piedmont Park on Monday nights. Um, what did you think when you started to see that, um, you know, uh, Black Girls Run, you know, Black Men Run, that sort of thing? How did, th- how did that make you feel? Were you kind of proud, you know, that kind of thing, and you felt like it would be better? Or, you know, what, what did you think? Well, the first time I saw it was – at the uh, Tri-Cities race, uh, the Tri-Cities 10K, and I can't remember what year 
that was, whether it was 14 or 15. I think it, I think it had to be 2014. Um, and I saw these guys with these black men run shirts on. So I was, I just introduced myself. I said, you know, who are you guys and what, tell me what this organization is. I was at the very next meeting. I got you. Uh-huh. I, think the, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was at um, Roadrunner. Okay. Because uh-huh. they used to do I Wednesday just, night some road, at Roadrunner, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I showed up at the next meeting. I said, I, I'm coming. Um, then I was impressed. I thought, you know, this is such a great idea. You know, another venue for, for black men to get together, um, you know, come together and run, mentor each other, uh, fellowship with each other. That, that's kind of how I looked at it at the beginning. So I was excited. <laughs> I was very excited. I don't know. I, you know, I've been out of touch with the organization, to be honest with you. Yeah. My, and a, a large part of that is just my caregiver responsibilities have yeah. grown, mm-hmm. especially over the last two years, which is one reason why y'all don't see me as much, mm-hmm. is uh, I'm just having to spend more time at home, um, even to the point where I stopped working uh, at the end of last year. Um, and, you know, it's a blessing that I'm able to do that. Exactly. Uh, That's what I was going to say. It's a blessing that you're able to, to be around, uh, for her and and do the caregiving. Um, and, and, you know, we're definitely happy that, that she's, she's doing well or she's getting along. Um, I did want, I did want to ask you though, I had, I got, uh, one, one more, uh, question for you as far as, because you you do trail running, like uh, um, you know you do a lot of that. Did you switch to trail running because you were getting older and you just felt like it was better on your legs, or is it just something that hey, I've decided I like running trails better than running you know on the road? You know, I think it's more a combination of of you know I just enjoyed trail running. I used to, I for a long time I've trained on the trails. I mean, I've been on Cochrane Shoals. We you know when we were training for the Hood to Coast Relay, uh, back in 95 and 97, uh, we did most of our training on trails. Mm-hmm. So uh, trails weren't anything new to me. I just hadn't really done a lot of races. Um, I did a big one, I want to say in 96, leading up to the Boston Marathon. Uh, yeah, I went through a little bit of a marathon period back in the mid nineties. I did most of, I've done seven marathons and most of them were in that 94 to 98 period. Um, but yeah, I had qualified for Boston. I went to LA, I did LA marathon in 95 and it just blew it. I mean, it was horrible. It was raining start to finish. You know, I was trying to do a sub three. I think I went through the first half marathon in in 159, and I just didn't take in enough fluids. Mm. So I blew up around mile 18. Um, But I was trying to qualify for Boston as well. So I went back out three months later. I don't know why I love California so much, but I went out and did the Palos Verdes marathon which you know if i had known how hilly that thing was uh-huh. i would have never done it. but i i needed to get a marathon in while i was still fit 
and to get it in in time to qualify for Boston. Mm-hmm. So I went out there and did that one, and uh, it was a shocker. But I ran a 3.09 in that one, and that got me into Boston. I ran Boston in 96. Okay. Uh, but leading, leading up to Boston, I did the Cross Timbers Trail Run out in Texas, and I had been working out there and just felt like, you know, why not stay over Friday night and go do a trail run and then go home on Sunday, which is what I did. And after that, I was, like, determined to do more trail racing. Um, but, you know, it really never came to me until 2013-14. And really, in, I started running trails in earnest in 14. I was living in Decatur back in 2011, and I did the Decatur circuit then. It was six races. We had started a little competition in Decatur that I was involved in, and I think it's still going on. But um, yeah, I jumped on trails. I did three like road races in 2014 to start the year, and then I jumped on, I think, um, the Satali Trace Trail Race up in Canton. 10 miles of pure, unadulterated hell. And if you ever want to do a great, I mean, it's a fun, challenging race to do. Uh, they do it every May. Uh, and that one's part of the Mo- Mountain Goat series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mountain Goat Adventures, they do four, five, or six trail races every year. They're well organized. Um, and then I jumped on the, I think it was the Rope Mill half marathon was a month later and I tore my knee muscle um, in that race but I kept running (laughs) I ran right through it ran right through it and I've been doing mostly trails ever since so what would you say is the biggest difference I mean obviously we can think about the difference between trail running versus pavement running but what do you what would you say is like the biggest difference between the two and how, what would you also tell someone that's interested in potentially getting to trail running, like how to start getting into it and kind of what to start to transition the difference between pavement to trail? Well, I think trail racing actually makes you stronger. You know, your muscles, your leg muscles, your feet muscles, I think develop a little bit better because you're, you know, you're on an uneven surface just about the whole way. So I think, you know, core strength, my core strength has actually improved with trail racing. Um, your times are not going to be as fast, typically, because you're dealing with with uh, a lot of ups and downs. And a lot of the trails around Metro Atlanta are actually, you know, built for bicycle. Not really you know, built mountain, for runners. The mountain bikers. So, you know, they're like roller coasters. Uh, so to run through that, uh, without blowing up, you know, it just, it takes a lot of core strength, uh, but your legs recover better and faster. Uh, that's a big difference in here. You know, when I run on the pavement, uh, nowadays it's like, okay, I got to take an extra day to recover from this. (laughs) And it's just so serene. It's just an enjoyable venue. I'd rather be in the trees any day of the week than be out on the, on the pavement, especially with these crazy drivers out here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, uh, yeah, and I don't mean, I mean, I do a little running on the Silver Comet Trail, but I don't really consider that a trail. 
I do most of my running at Cochrane Shoals. And I, you know, not on that three-mile flat loop. Mm-hmm. I go up in the woods on the, you know, really the bicycle trails. There's a lot of climbing up there. And, um, you know, you can stretch it out to 10-plus miles uh, just on all the trails and sub-trails that go off of that main three-mile loop. So... That's where I do a lot of my running. But, I, you know, I love to go up to Rope Mill Park when I can get up there. I like to get to, uh, I've suddenly discovered Stone Mountain. Tammy Shakur and introduced me to the Stone yeah, Mountain. Tammy's a big time. She loves the nature. She loves nature. And if anything, um, you know, there's, there's Big Creek up in Roswell, um, Little Mulberry Park in Decua. I mean, these are, these are just some great trails to run on. Right now, I think my focus is starting to shift more towards doing ultras. First race I did a couple of weeks ago was uh, an ultra. Now, they actually do an ultra now, Tommy, at that Thrill in the Hills race where I met you. Oh, yeah, I don't want to do uh, that one either. <laughs> <laughs> used to be a marathon. That <laughs> used to be a marathon, a half marathon. Now it's a half marathon and a 50K. Oh, wow. Uh, as well as a, a five-miler. So I went up there and did 50K uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was wonderful, mm-hmm. just absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, it's it's a different mindset. Your nutrition is different during the race. Your hydration, it's, you know, there's a lot of strategy and, and planning behind doing something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's only five miles more than a marathon, mm-hmm. uh when you're running on those trails for 31 miles, it takes a little bit of uh, pre-planning. Yeah, so. yeah, I can I can understand. Um, do you have anything else? Any other um, ultras already on on deck, or are you just kind of looking for another one to run? No, I've circled the uh, Sweetwater 50K, which is in May. Uh, I'm probably going to do that one. Uh, and there's one up in Blue Ridge in September that I'm going to try to squeeze in. If not, then, you know, there are a couple of other decent opportunities right here in Georgia. Um, so I'll find something. I, I'm going to try to do at least three this year. Nice. Okay. And uh, my buddy Tammy, she's heading out to Arizona this week mm-hmm. to do uh, the uh, Antelope 55K. Wow. Uh, she did the... What the heck, the Trans Rockies last year, I think she did 60, 60 miles of it. It was a 100-mile wow. uh, multi-day event, and you can do like one or three or five uh, segments of it. She did three. Um, so she's, she's in part uh, part of my inspiration because uh, she's done some really interesting runs. And uh, she's she's developing into quite the ultra marathoner. Nice. So that that's that's kind of the direction I'm going. In. That's why I was so happy to see how you know that you guys had circled Mike Wardian mm-hmm. uh, for one of your podcasts. You know what? Before he ran those ten marathons, he ran just a few weeks before that. He ran in the Hurt 100. Yep. 100 mile run mm-hmm. in Honolulu. He's a man that loves He's to run. He's a machine. Yeah, yes. he he truly <laughs> is a person that just runs for the love of running. Because mm-hmm. yeah, 
uh, I have to tip my hat to him, <laughs> basically. Yeah, but for him to have done Hurt, which, I mean, it's called the Hurt 100 for a reason. Right. Uh, it is one of the most difficult 100 milers uh, on the annual circuit. Mm. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that race. It's very technical. Right. A lot of climbing. Good. Um, so I was like, man, how do, you, how do you do Hurt and then 10 marathons? He was tenth overall at Hurt, so I mean it's not like he he was slacking. He, no, uh, no. but yeah, that that's kind of where I'm thinking now. I mean, I've I've had really four or five years of really decent success on the shorter trail runs, probably a podium in probably more than sixty of them. So it's not that I'm bored. It's just that okay. New challenges. What else is out there? Yeah, new right. challenges. Now, um, Jerry, and we, we've had you truly enjoyed, you know, speaking about your running, about, you know, your, you telling us history about the Atlanta running community. Um, of your 50 years, and like you said, you, you, you were kind of off and on, not the whole 50 years, but of your 50 years of running, if you were just going to say what you've learned or what you want to pass on to our audience, is there anything in particular that you would want to point out that's kind of kept you going that whole time with running, kept you interested Um in running in the highs and the lows, um, is there anything that you would want to tell our audience about it? Uh, yeah, I would. There's one thing that um, I would want to pass on, and that's you know I see a lot of the like younger and newer runners coming in and wanting to run a marathon or half marathon right off the rip, and I would caution people against doing that um, because it takes time. You know, you have to put some miles on your legs. You have to build a solid base. And I think that's one of the things that uh, has given a lot of the older guys longevity is, uh, you know, we haven't run a ton of these super long races. Um, I, early on in my career, I was mostly 5K. And I could do 5Ks every week. I was running, you know, 30 races a year. Uh, because 5K was like, you know, a speed workout. Uh, you could recover from it and do your training and, and come right back strong. And, you know, you can run 30, 40, 50 miles a week and run a 5K and do well. Um, but then, you know, I think that that benefited me. I, before I ran my first marathon, I had really built up a solid base underneath me. And, you know, I see things like these marathon maniacs and, and half crazy, whatever they're called. And, you know, everybody want to come in and be a boss right off the trip. I would just caution people to, you know, take it easy. You know, get yourself a nice base, uh, do some running, but don't jump right into a marathon because, you know, you're not going to last 50 years like me. You're just not. Uh, you're going to get hurt and um, discouraged. Uh, it's just not a smart thing to do. So that would be <laughs> that would be my first word of advice is, you know, pace yourself. Be patient and have fun with it. But don't go out there and kill yourself from day one. You, know, you, don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to impress anybody. You just don't. You just need to have fun and work it, work it up gradually, and you'll be just fine. Before you know it, you'll be running 
half marathons faster than those other people that came out and ran it day one. I definitely so, understand that yeah. no need to bruise any egos or get discouraged and not want to run because you're not running the speed or the distance that you want to run. So exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is some great advice, Jerry. And I just want to thank you once again for taking time out of your day. I know you still got your your five miles mm-hmm. to do. I, I probably need to go put on my shoes myself, but I ain't gonna lie to you, Jerry. I'm gonna lay it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate you taking time of your day to speak with us. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and. Uh, Keep up the good work. It's a great, great show that you guys are doing. It's uh, I enjoy it. I listen to it all the time. Yay! Well, thank so you. Keep... Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jerry. We we appreciate all ten of our listeners. We love we love all ten of y'all. <laughs> well, good luck to you racing this week. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on, Jerry. All right. You all have a good one. Right, you too. Okay. Well, that was a great interview. Yes. So, India. Yes. Another, another good show in the of in the books. They just, I mean, I just feel like they just keep getting better and better. Getting better and better. We're getting yes. closer and closer to our one-year anniversary. I'm yes, excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, India, um, they may already know, but yes. how can they get in touch with you? So, you can find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore Indigo, which is E-N-D-I-G-O underscore run. So, that's I of Indigo runs. And you can also find me on Facebook at India Cook. Um, and if you would like to shoot me an email, you can send it to milesfromindia at gmail.com. What about and you, Tommy? You can get me at tmitch68 on Instagram, uh, Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two, at gmail.com. And for all y'all out there, I'm sorry. I know y'all think I'm a troll or something, but I'm really not. I just really, I just don't have, I, I can't, I, don't, I try to get on the internet and then like <laughs> send messages back. But my, my, my Facebook paperwork is all kinds of behind. I just, I, really? my social, I need him to get it together. <laughs> my social media paperwork is real, real bad. So I apologize for that. But trust me, uh, if, I, if you hit me up, I'll get back to you here uh, real, real soon. Yes. But once again, another great episode. And we'll be seeing you guys again in about two weeks. Yes. Peace. Y'all have a good one. Later.